tongue grew still as she made her way to Jesus. She stumbled through the tears that made her blind. She felt such pain, some spoken anger. She heard folks whisper, there's no place for her kind. Still on she came through the shame that flushed her face until at last she knelt before his feet. And though she spoke no words, everything she said was heard. As she poured out her love for the master from her box of alabaster. And I've come to pour my praise on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hair. You weren't there the night he found me. You did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. Welcome to Pink Chair. I'm full of emotional, as you can see. I'm just like in a little bit of a tearful state because I remember the day that Jesus came into my life and literally like that song proclaims the freedom and the love that I felt when I said his name. It was real. It was tangible. And I literally felt like I had taken that alabaster box. And some of you don't even know what that is. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And I poured my love out to him and gave him everything. And you know what, you guys? Some of you think you cannot come to him because you're so full of junk. You're so full of evil or you're so full of addictions and hangups and bad habits. And you've done so many bad things that you just cannot change from. You keep repeating the same behaviors. But let me tell you something. He is waiting and he's laying on that couch and he's just waiting. He's eating his food and he's just patiently waiting like he was for the woman with the alabaster box. You guys know about this story. It's in the Gospels. It's in Luke, actually. Luke 7 talks about the woman that came in. And it says in the scriptures that she was a very sinful woman. Now, it doesn't say what she used to do, but some people think, some theologians say that she was the town whore. She was the town trafficking victim. She was the town stripper. She was the town loose woman. She was the town harlot. You can fill in the blank for yourself. Maybe you're the town harlot. Maybe you're the town adulteress. I don't know. You can fill in the blank for yourself. Well, I, I do know for myself is when I read this story in Luke seven, it literally lit me up and set my soul on fire because this woman, do you know, in those days, Women weren't even invited usually to meetings. They weren't invited to learn in the synagogue. They weren't invited to hang around with men. They had their place in society and especially a woman like her. She wasn't really invited to hardly any places. And it says here, 
And when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus and we're taking off on 736 of Luke invited Jesus to dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So back then, you know, I've read some commentaries about this where literally when they had dinner, the Hebrew tradition was to just kind of lay on a couch and you could actually have the table really low and there would be pillows everywhere. And they would like lay up like this and be, you know, eating their food. Some of them would be just laying down, relaxing. So if you can picture this now, understand this as well at a Pharisee's house. What do Pharisees signify? The law, the law of Moses. They were experts at defining that law. They literally took 10 commandments of which two Jesus said the most important was, which was love. God, with all your heart and soul and all your mind and all your strength. And number two was love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said all the commandments lean on those two of the 10. But the Pharisees had the nerve because I guess, you know what? They feared sinning. They didn't want to go to hell. They didn't want to be brought into this place where they couldn't recover from sin. They created 613 sub laws from the main 10 commandments. And they thought they knew everything. They were like the know-it-alls of the day. They were the prideful people. They were like, you know, people in our today society, the news media, they know everything, right? They know, you know, and you know a friend like that too in your life. They just know everything. They're on social media. They read everything and they think everything they read is facts. But the truth is that you guys, in all reality, the Pharisees really didn't know much because they didn't know God's love. They had the Savior right in front of them and didn't even know he was the Savior, some of them. Not all of them, but most of them did not know. They had the Savior in their presence right in front of them, right before their eyes at this table. And this woman, this woman that nobody wanted to talk to, that everyone said, oh, we'll call you when we need you, when we want some sex, we'll pay you, girl. They didn't want her to come to this meeting. They didn't want her to come to this dinner. She was not invited. Trust me, not invited, rejected, set to the side, set to a different time when we need you. We'll use you when we can. But yet she pushed through. She heard about Jesus and he was cruising around. She had heard about his healing powers. She had heard that he was setting people free. And maybe, just maybe, just like me, She thought in her mind, I wonder if he can set me free. And when you get to that point in your life where you don't care what anybody thinks, you have to get to that point sometimes to walk in front of people that are prideful. They're going to put you down and tell you, oh, look, here comes the here comes the addict. Here comes the whore. Here comes the user. Here comes the liar. Here comes the thief. If you're willing to push through. Let me tell you the reward on the other side of that pushing through. We're going to talk more about how she pushed through and what happened on that day. She came into that house of the Pharisees and how shocked they were at her actions towards Jesus. What do you do when you see an audacious faith walk in the room and you don't understand where it's coming from and you've never been taught faith like that before? And actually what you see someone else do is against the law. Do you reject that person? Do you persecute that person? 
Find out when we come back. Hi, I'm Annie Lobert of Destiny House and Hookers for Jesus. And also, I am an author. Some of you might not know this. I wrote a book called Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. Do you know when I was writing this book and it was ready to go that nobody wanted to publish this book because they said it's not time to learn about sex trafficking. It's not time to talk about prostitution in the church. It's not time to talk about sexual abuse or talk about anything that happened to you in that way. This book is way too racy. We've got to tone it down. And also, Annie, it's too evangelical. And at the time I was like, what? I don't even know what that means. I had to look it up. Well, guess what? It finally got published. I had a great publishing company, which is now Hachette, publish this book. And you do not want to miss this story. It reads like a movie. I'm telling you, if you go to our website, hookersforjesus.net, you can order it. Or you can go to Amazon and order it on Amazon. We also have it in audio form in my voice, yours truly. And it's in Spanish. If you have a Spanish friend or you don't really like to read English, you'd rather read a Spanish version. We had the greatest interpreter for the Spanish version of this book. You guys, this book is a story of redemption from trafficking, from addiction, from abuse, from complex trauma, and it will set you free or the friend that you know that needs it. Go to the website right now. Thank you. Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair. I am Annie Lobert, and I am the founder of Hookers for Jesus and Destiny House. Some of you are looking at this program and you're like, wait a second, that girl has this crazy looking hair and makeup. I mean, she's all color popping everything and I don't trust her. This is so real right now. Can I be real with you today? Can we get real with each other? Okay. God's not looking at this. He's not looking at this. He's not looking at this set going, oh, they can't have color. That's too popped up. Just like that woman that went to the Pharisee's house to see Jesus, she got to a point in her life where she just didn't care anymore. Some of us have to get to this point in our life where we just can really be who God has called us to be and not give a hoot. Whoo, right? Why do we have to care? Because here's the bottom line. If we're created for a specific purpose, no devil in hell can stop that. No devil in hell can stop that. Trust and believe that God can use your crazy looks, your nice colors, or your lack of colors, or whatever way you want to present yourself. God can use you as a catalyst to help someone else in someone's life that's struggling that needs redemption. Today's theme and story is about the alabaster box. My alabaster box was all the money I could make. It was my looks, okay? It was my hard work using what I had to get what I needed to fill that terrible vacuum of a hole I had in my heart because I didn't feel like my daddy loved me. So I became a stripper, I became a call girl, I became a sex trafficking victim, and some would say prostitute, some would say whore, some would even say hooker. Woo! But guess what? 
God called me chosen. He called me marked for great things. He called me daughter of the king. He said, Princess Annie. I'm telling you, on August 2nd, 2003, he called me out of darkness and literally brought me into his marvelous light. And I want to share this to you today because this woman and I have so much in common. I can't wait to meet her. There's really no name for this beautiful woman of God. And I'm calling her that because I want you to rephrase what you're calling people that you see that you think are doing worse things than you. Someone that's promiscuous, someone that's caught on drugs, someone that's selling themselves, someone that just doesn't know God like you do. And you think you know way better. A Pharisee, are you? I understand. I used to be one too. But let's get back to the story in uh, Luke 7. Let's pick up the pace right here. Uh, verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with them, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster box jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Some say that this lady's alabaster box was everything she had to her name. Like she literally worked a year full of wages to pour this perfume on Jesus. It's very, very, very important to recognize that when you come to Jesus, you got to come with everything. You can't leave a stash somewhere of something that you don't want to give him. Faith doesn't work like that. Miracles happen when we surrender everything. She came and she laid out her hair. She's crying. There's tears. She's kissing his feet and pouring this perfume on his feet, preparing Jesus, some say, for his burial. Is it possible that this woman knew, she knew he was the Messiah and that he was to be crucified and lifted onto that cross for everyone's sin and everything she had done wrong? And then everything that she had done wrong became sanctified as he was raised from the dead on the third day. Incredible to think about that, right? It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, oh, let me just act like a Pharisee real quick. Hold up. If this man were a prophet, he would know. He would just know. I mean, come on. Who's, ooh, who's touching him? Right? And what kind of woman she is Psh, that she is a sinner. <laughs> you guys, I don't know about you, but I might have went off on this dude. I might have walked in that house and been like, yo, shut up, bro, before you say anything. Let me talk to Jesus real quick. But no, she was very respectful. She didn't say a word to him. She didn't have to. Her actions spoke way louder than any word she could have ever said to anybody because she adored 
the Savior. She got on her knees and she worshiped him. She didn't care. She totally was abandoned to his awe and his presence and his love and his glory that was upon him at that time. Jesus answered him, hey, Simon, I got something to tell you, bro. I'm paraphrasing you guys. Of course, he did not say bro. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. And one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? What do you guys think? Personally? Honestly, I don't know if, if even God is going to actually count that and put that into perspective. Because honestly, our love, his love cannot be measured. But I do know this from my own personal experience is that when I came to Christ and I was at my wits end and I had lost everything, I knew I was giving my life to him. I knew that I was never going back. And when I broke that alabaster box over his feet, I was very, very appreciative of what he was doing for me and what he had done for me and what he was about to do. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle to me that he would even love someone like me. Maybe I'm talking to you today. You think you can't be loved? You think that you can't bring everything because it's too shameful. Your face is flushed. You're embarrassed. You're full of guilt, shame, regret. You're full of fear. Guess what? Jesus doesn't care about that. He sees you. He sees you. He doesn't look at those ugly things that you're trying to hide. He sees you and he wants to know you. He wants to redeem you from yourself and the things that you've been caught up in. When we get back, I'm going to share what happened to this beautiful woman and also what God can do for you if you just trust Him to give Him your alabaster box. Hi, I'm Annie LeBaron. I'm also the founder of Hookers for Jesus and Destiny House, a place where ladies can come that have been sex trafficked to dream again, get rid of their nightmares, discover who they are, their purposes, develop into those purposes and plans of God and go into their destiny to go out and change the world for good as we know it. Everyone has a call in their life. And I don't care if a woman or a lady has been trafficked and she's been abused. That doesn't mean she's something to throw in the garbage. Okay, this is what I was praying to God before I got out. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. And that's what he does for these ladies at the Destiny House. We really need your partnership right now. More than ever right now, we need it. Because ladies literally come to our house with no clothing there's no really good resources for them. Destiny House is a place where they can lay their head and become stabilized from their complex trauma, get into trauma counseling. We have horse therapy. They swim, they play tennis, they work out, they eat right again. 
and they get their lives back together. It's miraculous transformation that you do not want to miss. When you partner with us, you partner with us into transforming lives into brand new creations. Go to hookersforjesus.net, click on donate and partner with us. Your donation is tax deductible and your heart's going to feel big and gracious and your donation will be used mightily by these women by helping them get care and healing from sex trafficking. Thank you. You guys, this is the pink chair. Listen, we're in the middle of this super hot story, steamy story. And I wanted to share something real quick. We're in Luke 7, woman that anointed Jesus' feet with the alabaster box. I'll never forget. I was in, oh gosh, I don't even want to say the name of the casino, but I was in a very nice posh casino, very expensive, newer. And I was walking through and listen, for the reason I can't explain to you, except for the fact that I was living my old lifestyle. I was literally walking through the casino with handcuffs in the back of my back with my hands tied with the handcuffs being walked through the casino all the way to the security office, the walk of shame. And I could tell that people were looking at me and going, Look at her, look at her, oh my gosh, what did they do? What did she do? Is she a thief? Did she trick roll? What did she, did she steal from someone? Did she, uh, you know, try to take the casino's money? Whatever it was, was she a whore? Was she a prostitute? You guys, the entire time I'm walking, I'm like crying. Tears running down my face because it was so embarrassing to take that walk of shame to have everybody in that casino look at me and judge me. Because you guys know what? When I left the casino, guess what I had to do? I went to jail for trespassing. That's what they do to you when you're working on their property. And it's illegal and because prostitution is illegal in Las Vegas. But at the time, I was being sex trafficked. So when I went and left the jail after being arrested, I went home. And guess what? My traffickers waiting there for me to cuss me out, to yell at me, to tell me what a terrible hoe I am, that I didn't know how to avoid the security. You made less money now, and I got a beating. Yeah, the walk of shame. Now, I picture this woman walking into this house where everybody was judging her but Jesus. Walking to that house must have been a journey for her. She had to press through crowds, probably. People looking at her going, there's that woman. Oh, look at her. Oh, you know what she does for a living? Oh, my gosh. She slept with like five of my friends that are da-da-da-da. She's got diseases. Who knows what happened? But what I do know is I can empathize with her and I can relate to her in so many levels. But for her, the bravery and the courage and the trust that it took for her to walk into that house and to walk up to Jesus and give him everything she had, everything she had to risk her reputation against those Pharisees. What a brave soul. But there's something that I know that she knew. There's something instinctively I know that the Holy Spirit was probably speaking to her. We don't see it in the scriptures, but for me, 
Jesus was speaking to me the entire time I was being trafficked and I was selling myself. That he loved me. That he forgave me. And he was asking me to come home. Was he speaking to her? Do you think there was a voice that said, you're safe with me. I am the Messiah. Come and surrender everything and let me change your life from the inside out. As we see in this story, we had Simon saying, you know, in his mind, who, what kind of woman is this? I cannot believe she's touching him. How disgusting. I am paraphrasing, of course, so don't try to say I'm being theologian expert because I'm not. But the imagination is this man was judging her with his heart of who she was and what she was doing. And Jesus simply said to him, who do you think would forgive me more? Someone that had less sins or more sins? And Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. In other words, kind of snarky, like, I suppose. Jesus said, you have judged correctly, Simon. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I want to say something to someone out there that's listening. He sees you. He's watching you. He sees your heart. He knows what you need. He knows what you want. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. Now, that was a custom back in those days to wash each other's feet. It was a custom and tradition and a way to show honor, service. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, notice he didn't say this whore, this sinner. He said this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Like they obviously had no clue that this was the Messiah sitting in the midst of them. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And today, I know I'm speaking to someone out here right now. He wants to set you free. It's very simple. All you have to do, like I did that day on August 2nd, 2003, is surrender. Surrender everything and just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that on the third day you were risen from the dead and you came back to life to show us your glory, your grace, your forgiveness, and your mercy. And I want to walk with you. I surrender my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and live and guide me and show me your ways. Change me from the inside out. Clean me up in Jesus' name. You know what, you guys, if you prayed that prayer today, 
I really, really would love for you to contact us at hookersforjesus.net. Just click on contact and you can click on the info box. Let us know your name and your story if you care to share. And we'll give you some resources to help you on your journey. Thank you so much for joining Pink Chair today. And just remember, you are never too far from God. There is nothing that can separate you from his love. He's looking for you. He's waiting for you. And he loves you. Thank you.